welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. How are you doing? Great to see you here on this lovely Mother's Day. Tone, who we saw earlier, gives his regards. And he is preaching today in, well, in about seven hours, because South Africa is seven hours behind us. He is preaching five times today. He is also preaching via video in another, another off-site, another site. Okay, he's in, for those who don't know, he's in South Africa um, on a ministry trip. Okay, so preaching five times later in the day. He's going to be preaching once off-site via video. And then when he finishes the day, he's going to go and speak, and, go and speak to a media crew. In conjunction with that, Kath is speaking three times. And so this church that they are going to visit has quite a few sites and uh, quite a large congregation. And so they, I think they have 13 services throughout the weekend. And so these guys are covering eight of them. So if you guys can just keep them in your prayers um, throughout the day and throughout the next week or so while they're still away, that would be excellent. But enough of that and moving on. Happy Mother's Day. Hey, I've got a question. Is it technically correct? Someone said Happy Mother's Day to me. And then they backpedal and hang on a minute. I said, well, still, I'm still experiencing Mother's Day, so I guess it's not too bad. Is that fair enough or not? No, okay. <laughs> All right. Still Mother's Day for everyone, isn't it? Well, not special for mums and stuff, but... Anyway, if you're here as a special guest mum today, welcome. It's great to have you with us. And... Um, you know, I just think mums are the most amazing people. I've got two special mums in my life. One is my, my mum, Wendy Rainbow, who can't be here this morning. She's not too well. And the mum of my five children, my wife, Sally Ann. She's awesome. Let's put a hand together for Sally Ann. I just stand in awe of mums. I mean, that song kind of said it all. I mean, it's tongue in cheek and it's probably like causing blood to boil out there because of the truth of it. But, you know, mums are what mums are. You know, a, t- a grade two teacher taught their class, taught a class about magnets. And the next day gave them a little written test. And the question was this. My name starts with M and has six letters. I pick things up. What am I? <laughs> <laughs> Nearly 50% of the class put mother instead of magnet. Seriously, who knows how many thousands upon thousands of hours mums put into raising the average child and probably throw in a husband there as well. When Sally's got five kids, sometimes I'm sure she thinks she's got six. And, and you know, and the, the thing that must be really, really frustrating for mums, I mean, I know there's cool bits, like there are the good bits where you get the cuddles and the hugs and the I love you mums and the little flowers and, you know, that's all the good stuff that happens when they're this big, but then they get bigger. And as they get bigger, you know, attitudes sometimes aren't what they should be and kids aren't always as grateful as they should be and all that sort of stuff. And and so it's a pretty thankless task at times being a mum. And so my heart goes out to you mums. I I just, like I said, I stand in awe of what you do. I think of when I was growing up and the way my friends spoke about their mums often wasn't complimentary. And, you know, I literally went to some friends' houses in fear and trembling of this troll that I was going to meet, just based, you know, just based on the, what, what my friends had told me about these people that were at home. 
and you get there and you meet the nicest possible people. But the, the image of the, you know, the, particularly in your teenage years when there's that whole rebellion thing going on and just, mums just get such a bad rap. I hate that. I had one particular friend who mum used to get so frustrated with because he'd come around to our place and he'd talk about his mum as the old cheese <laughs> or the old duck and all that sort of stuff. So that didn't go down too well with my mum. But what I do want to do this morning, just briefly, because we're here, um, we're having a baby dedication a little bit later on, and we've obviously got people who are here, special guests for that as well. Um, But I want to talk a little bit about a significant mum, or two significant mums, actually, and and some of the lessons that we can learn from their lives. Okay, our our women's ministry is here, it's called Significant Women, so I think the lessons from a significant mum would be an appropriate title this morning. And the mums I want to talk about are two mums. One is called Lois and one is called Eunice. And I'm going to read to you a quick scripture from the Bible in Matthew chapter, uh, sorry, 2 Timothy. I'm going to read to you from chapter 1. Where are we? Two Timothy, not one Timothy. Two Timothy, chapter 1. And verse 5, Timothy was a, 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 an influential young Christian leader in the early days of the church. And a guy called Paul, who was also a leader in the church and sort of was this guy's um, father in the faith, if you like, to some degree, was writing a letter. And he wrote two letters to this man called Timothy. And he just makes this comment in the second letter to Timothy. He says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded also now lives in you. And so I want to, the first thing I want to talk about this morning, just in terms of mums, and I'm speaking to mums, but I'm also speaking to dads because you know, we're learning lessons about parenting this morning, but we're being exampled or taught by a couple of mums. And so the first point is this, just as mums, be real. You know, Timothy learnt from his mum a sincere faith. Sincere means genuine, without hypocrisy. And I think if there's a frustration today with Christians outside of the church and probably in the church as well, it's just the whole thing of hypocrisy, saying one thing and doing the other. Being one thing at church, you know, you can fool the pastor, you can fool your friends, but you can never fool your kids because they're always there. Their beady little eyes are always watching. And as they grow up, they're assessing, like, what do we say about how we live and what we value match up with how we actually live? And what we really value. And so here's a young guy. He's been brought up in a pagan culture in a place called Lystra. And it, definitely a pagan culture. If you read the book of Acts, you'll see in Acts chapter 14, Paul rocks up to Lystra. And he was a man who was used powerfully by God and did some amazing miracles. And one of the miracles he did when he arrived in Lystra was to heal a man who had been crippled from birth. Now, the guys that lived there... Because of their pagan culture, they immediately thought he was a god and tried to sacrifice animals to him. So he backpedals and says, you can't do that and so on and so forth. And, and within a very short time, they're actually trying to kill him and they actually stoned him and dragged him outside of the city. They, he was dead. And so this is the sort of culture that this, this mum or this couple of ladies, a grandmother and her, her daughter, had raised this young man up in the faith in a pagan antagonistic culture. It also goes on and tells us in the Bible that he had a dad who was Greek and so we can assume because of the fact that he's not mentioned as a believer that he was probably antagonistic as well. So he grew up in a home not too like possibly, not too unlike possibly some of the, the homes that 
that you guys are from right here. I know there are many, many Christian mums who, who don't have the support of their husbands at home or perhaps don't even have a husband or a partner at home and are doing it tough alone. But I want to encourage you, if you will be real with your faith, not perfect, but real, that you can have a significant impact in the way that your kids are going to turn out and what they're going to believe later on in life. Because I think that's what we want. We all recognise that there's no one perfect. But reality is amazingly attractive. Later on, Paul, talking in a book called Philippians, said this about Timothy. I have no one like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone else looks out for his own interests but not that of Jesus Christ. What a legacy that Timothy had picked up from his mum and from his grandmother. Faithful people who lived out what they believed. And here's a young man whose life was being, their faith and their sincerity and their genuineness was being reproduced in his life. The second thing I want to say is this. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, I'll read a couple of verses just before it. It says, But for you, talking to Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from who you've learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise through faith in Christ Jesus. It goes on and says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now again, I know that possibly not every person in this building understands exactly what this book is about, understands that it is actually trustworthy and reliable. And essentially it contains to us the very words of God. There are things that we can know about God just by observing the world in which we live. But there are some things that we cannot know about God unless he reveals them to, them to us. And the Bible is a, is a record of the things that God has revealed personally to mankind over history. And so this book is very, very important to us. It's important. It tells us why we're here. It tells us where we're going. It tells us God's thought on a whole bunch of matters. And so therefore, it makes great sense to me that we should be instilling in our kids the sorts of things that please God and the sorts of things that don't please God. The thoughts of things that if you do them in your life, your life will go well for you. And the sorts of things that if you do these other things, that life's not going to go so well. And our kids are never really too young to be able to teach that stuff to. I'm not talking about being all religious and weird about it. I'm not talking about just, just droning on and on and on. Every time they do something wrong, oh, the Bible says, you know, and just like turning them way off. But I'm just talking about just having the Bible in your home, reading it, reading Bible stories. Asking them questions. You know, what do you think's happening here? Why do you think God thinks that? Why do you think this happened to that person? And, and just get him to think about the Word of God. Being prepared to answer questions that they have. Because it's a tragedy for me that many people I talk to who, who, are, who perhaps grew up in a Christian home are turned off because they, perhaps their parents or, their, or their, their priests or their pastors were unable to answer some of the very reasonable questions that they had about God and the things of God and some of the people and stories that are in the Bible. So do your best, guys. And I know some people here are not, are not been Christians very long. Perhaps you're not Christians now and you're thinking, well, how can I do that? My, or my kids are grown up or whatever. But I'm just saying, guys, let's be true. Let's be real. 
And let's do the best from this moment on to prioritize God's word in our lives and to see that then reflected into our kids' lives wherever we possibly can. The things that Timothy learnt in his formative years prepared him for the rest of his life. Obviously, Scripture wasn't just a cliche and something that was used against him in the home that he grew up in. You know, 1 Timothy 4 verse 8 says this, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has, training for, has, sorry, has value for all things, holding promise for this life and for the life to come. You know, in our, in our kids' lives today, there are so many things that are competing for their attention. There's the whole entertainment side of things. There's the whole sporting side of things. There's the whole friendship side. There's all these things that are just competing for our kids' attention. And we've just gone through a series recently in our evening service where we talked about worldview and we talked about the things that really matter. And ultimately, if God does not exist, nothing matters. But if God does exist, well, then we need to find out what matters to Him and build our life accordingly. And the things in the Bible will prepare every person for any type of life. This isn't just a book for young pastors. You want to be religious and go into the ministry. You know, this is a book for every person. This is a book for mums and dads. It's a book for engineers and teachers and street sweepers, whatever else there are out there. Any job you can think of, any profession, any career, the things that you'll learn in here, it prepares you for. It's a foundation that will set you up well for life. And so as parents, we cannot afford to, to neglect that in our kids' upbringing. Yes, we might recognize their sporting prowess. We want to promote that and want to encourage them in that area. But let it not be at the expense of the Word of God in their lives. Let it not be the expense of understanding who gifted them and perhaps what is required of them in terms of responsibility with that gift and so on and so forth. We talked about a little while ago, you know, is our ladder leaning up against the right wall? You know, what's the point of climbing the ladder of success and then find it's leaning against the wrong wall? And ultimately, our, our life and our ladder needs to be leaning on God himself because we are... Physical beings, yes, but there's a spiritual part of us that is going to go on into all eternity. And we cannot afford, I don't think, to jeopardize our eternal future for the sake of you know, a sporting career here or, or reaching the top of the corporate ladder there or whatever else. It's first things first. And the Bible and understanding of what it says is foundational in people's lives. That's the second thing. Prioritize scripture in your, in your lives and in your children's lives. And the third thing, is to hold loosely. You know, currently for those that, are, that have got children in their home, they're under your influence, but it won't always be that way. We need to be able to, ultimately as parents, and mums probably struggle with this more than dads, to be honest, but you know, you're preparing your kids for launch, in a sense. I know that, you know, I know mums who would love to have their kids with them all the time, and I guess, this, you know, it's, it's happening more and more in this day and age in which we live. Kids just don't want to leave, they want to stay. want to bleed their parents dry. But, uh, and some mums actually like that. But the reality is, you know, we're, we're preparing our kids to go out and, and make their own way in life. And we see in Acts chapter 16, verses 1 to 3, that this was something that, that Lois was able to do. Sorry, Eunice was able to do for her son. It says, he, when Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, there was a disciple named Timothy. Sorry, where a t- disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer. Paul wanted to take him on the journey and it goes on and talks about the fact that Paul was able to do just that. A time came when a man 
just came and took her son away. And um, poor minister, uh, Timothy's ministry life was launched. And who knows how much his mum and Timothy saw of each other from that moment on. We don't know. But I think Timothy's mum was, was pleased about the fact that she had prepared her son for that which God had called him to. Ultimately, as parents, you know, we need to be trying to work out what God is for our kids and, and get beyond what we want for them. Again, many parents you know, are, are living vicariously through their kids. You know, I want my kid to have the sporting career I feel ripped off because it didn't quite happen for me. Or I want my son to be a lawyer or my daughter to be a doctor or whatever. And, we, and we're trying to impose our will on our kids' life. And again, some of those things aren't necessarily bad, but they can be bad if they're not in line with the will of God for their life. I mean, we, we're, we're thinking seriously about you know, our children and their future. Because the world, the pressure today is, you know, finish year 12, go to uni, do something, get a career, um, you know, earn lots of money, try and fit a family in there somewhere. And, and look, the reality is, is that working for most people? Many, many people follow that path and many, many people's lives end up as a mess. And so as parents, Christian parents particularly, we need to be trying to discern what it is that God is calling our kids to and being, have the courage to be able to direct them in those areas. Is this making sense? Excellent. We need to give our kids space to grow. And again, I think you know, again, some, some mothers smother their kids and, and, and protect them too much to the point of where it becomes unhealthy, unnatural, and, and, and you breed little wimps, you know, and we, don't, we can't afford to have that. We've got to, we've got to give them room to grow and room to breathe. I mean, I used to joke, before we had kids, I said to Sally, and when, I, when we have kids, I'm going to teach them to forage. <laughs> I'm going to send them out in the garden, and, you know, they can eat whatever they can find. <laughs> I'm going to teach them all this stuff, I'm going to roll them in the dirt, you know, <laughs> get their immune system nice and healthy, and... You know, Sally Ann's mum is just freaking out, having heart attacks, just even thinking about that. But we've kind of gone sort of found a middle ground, I think. <laughs> so our kids are reasonable foragers, but not this nice. <laughs> but my point is, you know, they've got, to, they've got to be able to take some risks. They've got to be able to get dirty. They've got to be able to do some things that are that potentially going to hurt them because that's how you learn. You know, life is about cause and effect, about doing stuff and experiencing the consequences. And if we, you know, if we protect our kids too much... Well, they're never going to really learn some of the lessons they need to learn before they leave home. Much easier and safer to leave lessons, learn lessons at home about finances, for example, than go bankrupt when you've got three kids because you didn't learn the lessons at home. Alternatively, I guess some people just give too much freedom to their kids. And again, that's not helpful. That's not protective either. And so we need to find that balance because God has called us to be responsible for our children for a season and to help set them up for the win in life. So don't lack trust in God. And don't allow too much of your identity to be wrapped up in, in your children and what they're going to achieve on your behalf to make you look good. But be prepared to let go and to ask God what it is that he's calling them to. God doesn't want us to become controllers or manipulators of our kids in trying to fulfill his goal either. God ultimately wants us to protect their free will and to just bring them up in a home that is without hypocrisy. Again, not a perfect home, I'm sure. There's none of them. But by and large, if we will bring our kids up in an environment of truth and reality, 
We mess up, we get it wrong, we apologize, we ask for forgiveness, we talk about what should have happened, we talk about the fact and, and we pray and ask God for those sort of things. We prioritize the word of God. We, got to go, we go to God's perspective on the matter. And God's perspective counts more than the perspective of Oprah and Dr. Phil and you know, all the other stuff that's bombarding our lives. And it's not just a, an afterthought. You know, Bibles aren't just getting dusty on the shelf, so to speak, in our homes. And being prepared to let go. I think if we will do these things, we can set our kids up for a real win. And I think these women that I've spoken about, you know, these, these successful and significant mums, we don't know ultimately you know, how much t- money Timothy made. We don't know whether he was good looking. We don't know, you know if he was good at sport or any of that sort of stuff. But his life or an aspect of his life has been recorded in this book forever. And his life and the significance of his life and the impact that he has had in other people's lives has gone on forever and will continue to go on forever and ever and ever and ever, as will Timothy's life because of what his mum was able to instill in his life and what her mum was able to instill in her life. And so guys, let's just, as parents, let's get first things first. What would it profit our kids if they became Prime Minister of Australia but lost their souls? What would it matter if they became the most successful sporting person or the most famous movie star or anything else that we might possibly dream and want for our kids? The greatest singer. If they missed out on the basics and forfeited their eternity, surely no parent wanting that for their kids. Success isn't measured in dollars or titles or popularity. The successful and the significant mum I believe is one who's done her best to provide a home environment from which her children are most likely to fulfill the dreams that God has for them. You can't make your kids do it, but you can set them up for the win so that all things being equal, they're gonna know this is the path to walk in and I'm gonna walk in it. Mums, just finally, don't allow anyone to belittle you, especially if you've chosen to stay at home. I think there's no higher calling. I, I think there's no... You know, I mean, careers and all that for it, not, not a, you know, but in terms of just being a mum and staying at home, I think there's been a negative, a negative uh, slant put on that. I think it's changing back slightly. I think there's become a, you know, motherhood is being prioritised and valued again at a level perhaps that it hasn't been for the last few decades. But the thing is that you can, through what, the way that you minister, you can bring fruit that will last for all eternity. Never, ever, ever forget that. And don't ever feel less than some person who's got a degree or some person who's making squillions of dollars more than you because you've chosen to be the best mum you can possibly be. I thank God for my mum who stayed at home and, and was there for me and Tone and Baz as we were growing up. Um, I thank God for Sally Ann, able to do the same and committed to that. And, and, and look, I know not everyone's in a position where they can do that. And so I just want to pray a, a blessing on our mums here today. And then I just want to um, transition into our dedication. So if our guys can please be prepared to come up on the stage in just a moment. But Father, I just want to thank you for the gift of all the mums here today. Every one of us had one. And uh, Lord, we just acknowledge that, that being a mum must be one of the toughest jobs on the planet today. And I just pray that your grace would abound to every mum. Well, God, it's tough enough, I know, for the mums that have got husbands around 
Often they act like the extra child. God, I pray grace to mums. Lord, for those mums that don't have a partner around or have an antagonistic partner around and are seeking to bring a child up in the faith, God, may your grace abound and may you step in and make up the lack that might be there. May you be the unseen dad in that home, I pray, in Jesus' name. Lord, would you lead and direct and would you grant wisdom and strength and courage to the mums in this place. Lord God, would you grant them a fresh perspective on motherhood and and help them to understand the importance of bringing a child up in your ways. God, where there's been some fallout along the way, there's been some disasters and some things seem irretrievably damaged in terms of relationships with kids and stuff. Lord, I, I just pray that even that you would redeem in Jesus' name. For those that are older and, and, and there's a lot of water under the bridge, God, may you just grace every mum with your presence right now in Jesus' name. And may there be restoration and may there be healing where there's separation. Have your way, our God, in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.